Welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am your host, Kristen Sparks. I am the CEO and founder of Roar Inc. Voices Our Power, communications and connections company. I am a corporate and personal growth facilitator. I am an infinite possibilities and certified success principles trainer, currently working on my master certification for the success principles and my BVC coaching certification. I am a facilitator, author, speaker, and thought leader. I am a cancer, broken heart, body, and soul thriver. 2022 is a power year and all about living our best life. I may live with chronic pain, but I find joy in every day in the act of getting up and having a new day filled with infinite options, opportunities, and possibilities of success. Roar with Sparks, How Loud Is Your Roar is all about you. Come join the conversation as we gather weekly to share wisdom, insight, and value, learning from and giving to each other and our special guests, sending our vibration higher and charging each other up all while having fun. Can't wait to see you here. How loud is your roar? Hello and welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am so happy to be here today, and I am with an amazing woman, and her name is Nancy Coble. She is an executive coach, leadership coach, team coach, facilitator. She is a dare to lead facilitator. She is, of all things, an astro, was it astro, tell me again. An aerospace? Aerospace engineer. That's what it is. Oh my goodness. I'm trying, I was trying to find it in the the bio, but we'll cut that part out. Um, She's an aerospace engineer, Uh, just amazing woman. I have gotten a chance to get to know her and I wanted you to get to know her too. Um, Nancy, thank you for being here. Thank you, Kristen, for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. You know, you and I met in another training that we're in together, and you're just one of those people that I was really drawn to. And I found out after having talked to you a little bit that you have worked with Brene Brown, and <laughs> she she is this most amazing woman who I listened to her dare to lead because that's what you facilitate. And so I went and got the book on audio and I'm listening to it. And it's like, I'm listening to my spirit talking to me. It is so in line with what I believe and what I feel is so valuable and needed right now in changing this whole conversation of shame and blame and guilt you know, and I have my core principle of wanting to change it to love, joy, and grace. And you are in that same realm of being aligned with spirit and the calming and the meditation and the yoga. And I just love your spirit. I love your grace and your joy. And I am so happy to have you in my orbit. How lucky am I? I think I'm lucky to be in your orbit. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that just feels good, doesn't it? (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and I hope all of you can feel the energy that is being generated right now because it's really amazing. Nancy, tell us a little bit about how you got from aerospace engineering to being a visionary thinker. Okay. So that's a great question. I was really smart. You know, when we're kids, we look at ways where we can get love and praise. I happened to be smart. So I figured that was a really good way to get praise. I was the third of four kids. So really good in math and science. And when I was in high school, I went to um, a high school. I lived in a town actually that had a lot of engineers that worked for AT&T. So I think I was surrounded by that energy that as a woman, I was actually encouraged because I was smart in math and science that I should think about majoring in engineering. And didn't really, it's going to be funny. I didn't really know what engineers fully did, but I was like, okay, I'll go apply. And if I get in, great, I'll go give it a shot. If I don't like it, I can always change my major. So I went to the University of Maryland, majored in aerospace engineering. Uh, Somebody told me, one of my advisors encouraged me to switch out of engineering. (laughs) It doesn't go well when you're a young woman and here you are, your advisor's telling you to change majors. He was a mechanical engineering advisor and that didn't fare well with me. I was like, he doesn't get to tell me to change my major. Good for you. Yeah, I did change it from mechanical engineering to aerospace engineering. I was bouncing between the two anyway, so yeah. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? So I, well, I really liked, I was bouncing, but aerospace was fascinating to me, flying, all that fun stuff. So I was determined to graduate, which I did, and I got a job for NASA working as a thermal engineer. Okay, so I grew up in Houston, and you know, so oh, NASA yeah, was, know. you know, that was Houston. You know, it was either oil or, or yeah. aerospace. And my father was a hydraulic engineer. And so we kind of traveled around the country moving a bit when I was a kid. But I was fascinated with flying. And if I hadn't been so damn angry, I might have gone into that exact field. So I am just fascinated with this story. Keep going. Okay. So, of course, I've been to Houston because Johnson Space Center is in that area, and I worked on the space shuttle programs. I worked on space shuttle stuff. So we had to go meet the astronauts. We had to do safety reviews, and a lot of that happened in in Houston. So, yeah, so I got to spend some fun time in Houston. Stories I can't necessarily share on air, but yes, a good story. <laughs> Houston can do that to you. <laughs> but fun team. So yeah, and the teams I worked with at NASA were fantastic. A lot of fun. Had a great time as an engineer. I also worked on Hubble and one of the servicing missions for the Hubble Space Telescope. So yeah, I was a great engineer and I was also a woman in engineering. And I wanted to develop. I love learning. That's one of my top values is I'm always learning something. And yeah, I could share my list of things I've learned. And I just saw myself as a thermal engineer for the rest of my life, unless I went and did something. So I went and got my master's in instructional design. Um, I found a program that I had the hairs going up on my, I'm like, okay, this is the program. It was in the evenings. I could stay working full time while I got my degree. 
And the funny thing is, I thought I was going to pay for it myself and have to quit my job as an engineer and go work somewhere else. Because I worked for a small engineering company, and that's what they hired was engineers, not instructional designers. But the guys I worked with were awesome. And they're like, Nancy, we need this skill set here. You need to have them pay for your master's. We need you to stay, and we need somebody that's in training. We need we need you. So you need to go apply and get them to pay for your master's. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. The worst they could do is say no. I was probably listening to, uh, yeah, it's like you can ask and they can say no and you sh- they'd still not be paying for it and I'd still be, I'd be paying for it. So I figured I had nothing to lose. Well, they paid for it. They agreed. I was going to get my master's anyway. So when I graduated, now meantime, while I'm getting my master's, I got married. I had a baby. I graduated. I had another baby. But before I graduated, I had to do a final project and I did it for the company I was working with. And in that process, so when I graduated with the baby, when I graduated and then had the, the other baby and came back, they actually created a job for me at this small engineering company. And that's how I got into management and leadership development. So I ended up developing engineers into managers slash leaders because we weren't doing that. And I understood engineers, so they could hear me, they could understand me. So I was like, okay. So here I was, two little people, and that's how it started. And then we got acquired when they were just about getting, you know, into the school age, we got acquired by a much larger company. So that's where my leadership and organizational development experience expanded. And that's where I became an internal corporate coach. And that's when I'm like, oh my gosh, coaching is this. And also anything professional development internally was my jam. So I could learn all day about any of that stuff. So I was like, okay. So then I got into leadership and OD and internal coaching and facilitating leadership development workshops. And uh, yeah, and then I went and got my external coaching certification. So I'm a professional certified coach with the International Coach Federation, a core energy coach, all that fun stuff. And meanwhile, I was also going through a spiritual awakening (laughs) parallel to all of this at the same time. So when I got my certification, I was in the process, finished up my classes. I got laid off from my job. That's always fun. Yes. Yeah. That was fun. Yes. Yeah. That was. I like to do things in clusters. So Uh you know how I got the master's in a cluster of stuff. I also was getting divorced. I was laid off finishing up my coaching certification. I became a published author in that cluster of time. Yeah, there was a lot going on. And I had two kids in middle school. So put middle school on top of it all. So yeah, I like to do things in clusters and then starting my own company because I got laid off. So it's like, okay, I'm starting this much sooner than I was planning, but let's go with it. Hey, the universe does things in their time, not our time. Yeah, sometimes you just let, it's like, okay, we're just going to go with this because it's definitely not my time. Right. Apparently it is, right? Yep. So yeah, so that was 2013. And then it's been a journey ever since. And you have been in Maryland all this time? Yeah, I went to the University of Maryland. I'm from New York, New Jersey. So went to the University of Maryland for college and um, got a NASA's right here. So got a job at Goddard Space Flight Center and Naval Research Lab was my were my first projects. So the small company had contracts with NASA, basically. Yeah. That's a journey. That's a journey. I had the privilege of living outside of Maryland in Virginia and went to kindergarten there. (laughs) Ah. Not college, kind of the other end. (laughs) 
Yeah, my father, like I said, was a hydraulic engineer and worked a lot and around the military. So we were uh, not stationed so much. But, you know, and that's funny. My brother ended up in the Navy and my son was in the Army. So we have a lot of military background before being in the military. So it's been an interesting ride with that. I love that area that you're in. It is so, so pretty. Yeah, we've been um, through there when we lived in the RV a couple of times, and I just absolutely love it. I can remember taking the kids down through the Shenandoah Mountains and all of that area. And yeah, so I have a little bit of envy, you know, <laughs> that you, we here in Florida, I love the beach. Believe me, I am a beach girl, but you don't have any other real topography. It's pretty flat. <laughs> Yeah, whereas I am also a beach slash water girl. I live east of Washington, D.C., so I'm closer to the Chesapeake Bay, and I'm on the water. Yeah, I'm a paddleboarder, so get on the water a lot. But yeah, Florida is very, very flat. (laughs) I remember when I was working as an engineer, I had to go down to Kennedy, but I remember driving down the coast. I'm like, wow, I can just like see straight. There's like new mountains. It's flat. Yeah. Yeah, I know you come when you're coming into Florida, and I'm sure if anybody's traveled anywhere from Georgia down into Florida, you still get through the mountains and then it's just suddenly it's flattened. Even Texas has got quite a bit of topography. It's really amazing. You don't think of Texas as being mountainous, but it is. And when we were again when we were in the RV, first time that I had really traveled West Texas a whole lot. And I was absolutely amazed at the the mountainous regions. I didn't know this was here. And then, of course, you also have the flat desert part of West Texas, which, you know, Fort, what is it, um, Fort Stockton area into, you know, New Mexico. And it is just nothing, (laughs) nothing but flat. Oh, yeah, that's what's so fascinating about that part of the country is you have desert and you have mountains, but they're like almost separate, but not far from each other. Exactly. (laughs) California is like that. It's like desert and then there's a mountain. Right. (laughs) Yeah, California is like that because you've got the desert, you've got the mountains and the snow, and then you've got the water. (laughs) I took Priscilla out to California for the first time. I think it was 2012, 2011, 2012, sometime in that area. And I had been out there quite a bit because that was where my mother's family was from, was Los Angeles and North. So I had been in the Pacific Ocean my whole life. And I knew that you didn't go in the ocean before noon because the temperature outside needed to be warm enough that when you hit that cold water, you didn't go into hypothermia. (laughs) you know so I'm waiting I'm just gonna sit on the beach she's like I'm in the water you know she's used to coming to Florida where the water's 80 degrees she hit that water oh my I I was surprised I survived that one because I just stood there and watched her and laughed (laughs) yeah California water is cold it is It so is. I give people a lot of credit for having anything to do with the Pacific Ocean. I don't, yeah, I'm not a cold water person. I am a warm water. I like the Caribbean. 
I have not paddleboarded, but I think that's because the paddleboarding really came out right after I had my accident. If there was any paddleboarding before, I wasn't aware of it. But standing is not really something that I can do for long periods of time. But I recently went out with my daughter and she's got a paddleboard. And so I kind of just sat on it. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked really well. It was kind of cool, you know. We just went out for a little bit and, you know, had a good time. So how long have you been doing that? I, okay, well, funny thing is I saw someone paddleboarding, when was it, maybe 2010, 2012, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to do that. And in 2014, I saw a Groupon. Now I live near Annapolis, Maryland, so, you know, and a new company had opened up called Capital Sup, and there was a group on for a lesson, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's paddleboarding in Annapolis. I'm there. I was so excited. I was like a kid in a candy store because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's paddleboarding in Annapolis. I need to try this because I had seen it on a YouTube video and I'm like, I need to do that. Whatever that is, I need to do it. And there was nothing here. So made it. And yeah, in 2014, I made my way on a paddleboard and it was awesome. That's cool. And pretty much I've been on one ever since on and off because I've had a number of accidents. So in 2016, I got hit by a car on my bike in June, like the week of the summer solstice. So I'd been, I'm like, I'm committed. I'm going to be on a paddleboard every week this summer. And I was doing yoga on a paddleboard. I was trying, you know, I was learning. I was a very much novice beginner. And then I got hit by a car in June. And I'm like, oh my gosh. When was this? June 2016. Oh, wow. What day? It was Saturday. So the summer solstice was the beginning of the week. I think maybe Monday. I can't remember exactly. So whatever that Saturday was, so maybe the 26th, around there. That was like three years after my accident. Oh, wow. Almost to the day. That's really, really weird, Nance. (laughs) That is really weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I was... I was not grounded that week by any means. By the way, like two days before, I went to see Sting and um, Peter Gabriel in D.C. and with a friend of mine. And it was an amazing concert, but I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, right. So here I am, like paddleboarding. I had quit my job, by the way. I had taken a job to help pay while I was building my coaching business. And I quit the job the end of April. Got on a paddleboard Memorial Day weekend. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing this while working. And I also had gotten it with the World Business and Executive Coaching Summit. They said, yes, we want you to be a facilitator. So all this is happening. And my energy is like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing and awesome. And that was June. And I was so excited. They're like, we want you to do the full summit. So I was like on cloud nine. Apparently, the car needed to get me back to planet Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's like, you're still on the planet. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great between all of this. So yeah. So that was a bummer, but thankfully, and I'm a Reiki master. So I wasn't a Reiki master at the time, but I have Reiki. So I was just like, okay, using my energy healing while in the ambulance and trying to remain calm and with all the energy going to the emergency room, I ended up with a handful of stitches in my knee, no broken bones, really lucky. As all the ER nurses were telling me, they're like, oh my gosh, you are so lucky that you, you're incredibly calm. I was like, yeah, because I was determined I had to get back on a paddleboard. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, it's June. <laughs> it, isn't that amazing that you were able to seriously manifest the fact that your body was not going to be broken? Oh, no, because yeah, broken bones. Stitches was three weeks. I could not go in the water for three weeks. Okay. So, okay, I can do that. And then I couldn't really paddle because my body was jammed up from being hit by a car. But I did paddle, sup yoga, paddleboard yoga. That was my physical therapy. Mm-hmm. I went out and I just did sup yoga for the rest of the summer. I couldn't, my fingers were jammed. My shoulder was jammed. So paddling wasn't really it, but yoga on a paddleboard is is heaven to me. You're outside, you're on water. Yeah, I I think I'm going to have to try that. I do yoga. It's why I walk. If I hadn't had, you know, the yogi that I have, I wouldn't be in the position. And I use the pool. I'm going to have to get a paddleboard and put it in the pool. Yeah, it's, as I said, I couldn't paddle that summer. I was just too jammed up. But the yoga on a paddleboard, I was so strong by September. I was doing, um, I was able to do the crow pose on the paddleboard by September. And I was able to do, yeah, which I couldn't even do on land. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a hard time doing tree pose still. (laughs) I am, however, working on the headstand this year. You know, I'm going to do that. And I don't know if I was able to do a headstand that summer on the paddleboard, but the crow pose was huge. So I love paddleboard. Yeah, so I've had been paddleboarding since and had a couple breaks. Um, 2017, I broke my foot. So yeah, just things got in the way, but I'm back on That's cool. <laughs> the paddleboard. So. <laughs> okay. So how do we break our foot? Oh gosh, this was a bummer. So, well, 2017 was cool because paddleboard all summer, I decided to challenge one of my limiting beliefs. Also, I'll share this if we have time. So I share, I had a limiting belief that I was not an athlete. And people around me kept calling me an athlete. And I was like, I'm not an athlete. Why do they keep my cognitive dissonance was like, I'm not an athlete. Why do they keep doing this? So I decided to challenge my limiting belief. I had just finished an amazing coach training program, like an advanced one. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to use the concepts from that class and I'm going to apply it. And I signed up for a paddleboard race training team whose motto is train to win. Okay. And when I say train to win... Now I'm still a novice because the summer before I was just doing paddleboard yoga. I wasn't paddling and this was May. And so I committed and the people on this team win. They win. (laughs) They go on the podiums and they win. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) See, I'm I'm envisioning myself that same way because I don't think of myself as an athlete either. So I'm, this is fascinating. Yeah. So I committed and I said, okay, I've got the tools. Uh We went out three days a week unless there was thunder and lightning or I was out of town. I was at practice and the team was amazing. Paddleboarders are amazing. It's amazing community. They're very welcoming and everybody was helping me improve my stroke, telling me what to focus on, making sure I was standing okay. And so I did. I paddled that whole summer and did one race and the goal was to finish the race. And that was really hard. I fell in, I think, three times. It was windy. It was hard. I was exhausted. It was like a 5K. Like, yeah. And everybody I was paddling with was awesome. They're like, okay, you can do this. Just stand up on the, you know, it was like having a big kickboard. I'm like, I really just want to use this as a kickboard right now because I'm tired of getting back on the board in the wind. This is hard. I'm exhausted. But 
I did. I finished the race and then uh, I kept paddling and I signed up for my second race. And unfortunately, right before that race, I stepped off my front steps and my foot twisted and I fractured my fifth metatarsal. So I call it my flip-flop fracture. Uh-huh. So it was not an exciting fracture, but I broke my foot. Yeah. Yeah. You finished a race. You did it. I did. This was August. So it was good. It was almost the whole summer. Mid-August, I broke my foot. So not too horrible. I got a lot of paddling in from May to August. And then I had to take a break. And now you're an athlete. Yes. Now I'm an athlete. I am. Uh, I'm an athlete. I'm getting my lifeguard certification next weekend. Oh, cool. <laughs> Prior to my accident, I had always wanted a motorcycle and I found them fascinating. But I got on a couple of two wheels and realized I wasn't very good at the whole balancing thing. <laughs> especially when you were turning and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is probably not a good thing for me to be on. So instead I bought a trike and, oh, I loved that thing. You talk, I, I, same way that you were with a paddleboard. I was like a kid in a candy store. And now my daughter and I recently went in on a Islander, which is a sailing kayak and Oh, yeah, we haven't had we took it out once yet this year. It's been really, really windy. So we haven't been able to get out there since we don't really know what we are doing. We don't want to go out on a really, really windy day. It's got to be somewhat calm. So trying to get the time and all that together. But we've taken out before we got this one, we took out one that she from her work. And oh, I love to sail. But doing the big boat, like I used to do, I was a crew for a while. I did boat deliveries way back when. And I don't have that strength anymore. So I've got to work up to that. But this is like perfect because we can sail, we can kayak. It's just fun. You know, (laughs) if somebody else comes with us, I just get to hang out on the tramp. (laughs) (laughs) Mom gets to be the tramp. Yeah, so (laughs) I'm cool with that. I am so cool with that. Anything that gets me out on the water makes my day. You know, I told my daughter was here earlier this week and I'm like, you know, I'm really feeling the boat. Can we take, because she runs a marina down here. And so I'm like, can we take one of the boats out (laughs) sometime soon, please? I need to get out on the water. I miss it. Oh, my goodness. And I'm with you. I'm a water baby. Most definitely. Uh, yeah. I think that's what we have in common. Yeah. Water. Water. Need to be by the water. I think you're right. I think water is definitely one of the things that brought us together. You know? <laughs> Are you um, astrologically a water sign? I'm a Libra, so I'm an air. Okay. Air. Water and air. air. Yes. How about you? What are you astrologically? I am a Pisces. So I am very much a water. Yes. My um, moon is Cancer. Okay. (laughs) And then my rising. I can't remember what my moon is. So I think that's water. I think Cancer is water. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I do believe you're correct on that. And somebody may correct us. Correct. Yes, I'm maybe totally wrong. <laughs> right. like, Libra is water. No, Libra's air. <laughs> yeah, no, Libra's air. I do know that. Um, 
It's so funny. I think that in all of that, you know, I must have air in something because I love to fly. We were out in Arizona and a friend of mine's husband passed away. So we had to fly out of Vegas to get back to Columbus. And on the way back, we stopped and took a helicopter through the Grand Canyon. Oh, cool. Nancy, I want to fly helicopters. Once I get done with my retreats next fall, there's a place that's at the airport that trains. I am going. That is on my bucket list. And by God, I am going to fly helicopters. That was the most fun. (laughs) And I have loved, loved flight my whole life. You know, I've been in all kinds of different airplanes. I have never gotten my pilot's license, but I have had the pleasure of being able to fly a couple of planes with pilots and being able to go up and whatnot. And I worked at the airport and that was like, you know, I was on every plane you could get on. (laughs) And it was great. (laughs) That was a kid in a candy store. I loved working for the airlines. That was absolutely amazing. We would laugh because you don't get paid very much working for an airline. So it really is is like a volunteer position. (laughs) You're there because you love it and no other reason. Somebody was hiring flight attendants I saw in the newspaper the other day, and I'm like, I could go do that now. Yeah, I'll do that for a little while. (laughs) I could go do that. But (laughs) we got in that helicopter, and it doesn't fly straight up. It doesn't fly straight out. It flies nose down. I'm like, what? And it was like so much fun. And it just, oh, wow. When you got out over the Grand Canyon and you could just, you were there and you could see it. It was like you could reach out and touch the side of the canyon. It was so amazing. Imagine, because the Grand Canyon itself is amazing and Yeah, the Grand Canyon is awesome. So I can't even imagine being in a helicopter and going into it that way. So on my bucket list is actually going down into the Grand Canyon. So I've been to the Grand Canyon, but I and have hiked down a little bit, but not to the bottom. So I would love to do that. Yeah, do it now before there's no Colorado River anymore. It's drying up. It's drying up because they have had such drought. They're really, I mean, Montana's talking about in the next 20 years, not having any water if it keeps going this way. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's just, uh, our planet is changing and it's scary changes, you know, those kinds of things, the fires. And yeah, I remember as a kid, we spent a lot of time out in Yellowstone and in California and the Redwoods and up in the Grand Tetons and in the Grand Canyon and things have changed. The trees are gone. And I remember when the fires happened in Yellowstone a few years back and it's just, I then saw them and it was so surreal to not have it forested. I was used to having going in and, and walking through the forest and you know and the fauna and and it wasn't there. You know, there were just these bogs and it was really, really surreal. So don't waste time thinking about doing it. Do it. The universe has really been talking this week. I didn't realize that it this month was mental health month. I didn't either. And I saw it. Yeah. 
Kathy and I, who's my executive operations coordinator, she and I do the first podcast of the month every month. And we had decided a couple of months ago what we were doing. And we decided that we were going to talk about where we had come from, some of the mental things that we had gone through, some of the issues we'd gone through. And we wanted to talk about a little bit about relationships with moms because it was Mother's Day coming up. No clue that this was Mental Health Month. And the name of the podcast is Mental Demons, Emotions, and Moms, right? Wow. So (laughs) I'm like, okay, if that was not a sign from the universe, and then my daughter, I, I was telling you, you know, started giving me some ideas for stuff to do for social media. And one of them was doing something that she put together is called it, um, Sunday Power Brunch. And what it is, is I talk about the podcast coming up on Tuesday and put it out Sundays around noon. Well, Naomi Judd took her life on Saturday and... So I talked a little bit about that. Did you not hear that? That was pretty sad. So I talked a little bit about that and then talked about the podcast. And and at that point had heard on the news that it was Mental Health Month. So, yeah, it's just been one of those kind of weird weeks energy-wise. Yeah, and that's such an important topic right now. It is. Yeah, because I think the past two years have really had an impact on people and not necessarily realizing the impact, right? So sometimes it's just that low underlying stress that's just there. And then what's that impact? It's a lot. It is. It is, you know, and we all go through those times, those highs and those lows. I mean, it's like, you know, we talked about being a kid in a candy store and that is totally that high of living life. And some of us go through it where it's manic behavior, you know, where we get trying to fix the things that are not right inside by finding those things that give us that high, whether it be shopping, drugs, all kinds of different things. And then some of us are able to balance those times of utter joy and use that to bring us peace when there is the hardship and not all of us have that capability. Some of us can get pulled down into the depths of despair and not find a way to be able to crawl out of that without help. And reaching out your hand for help is so important. It's hard to do, but it is so important and so necessary. Yeah. And what's powerful about that too, when you are able, is that you realize you're not alone, which many times you think you're the only one that's thinking that or going through that. But when you start to share or find that safe space, you realize that you're not the only one, that there are so many that are also experiencing the same thing and to embrace it. And I think that's one of the things that I I love about Brene Brown's work is, as I look at courage, which is its courage building skills, it's like the door. I look at it as, because it's heart, core is heart. And so you have the fear, the shame, the guilt, vulnerability is almost like that doorway to the joy and the love And you can have both at the same time. It's a dance, which is like bittersweet. When you have the good and the not so good all at the same time, you're like, wow, 
I mean, we, we both have children. Giving birth is a probably a really good example, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. That's a graphic example right there. And um, yeah, but that's what I think I love about Brene's work is that courage building skills. And it's the four skill sets of courage, and we can all learn them. It's not you have these skills or you don't. We all actually can learn them. And they're, they're not easy. They are hard. Being vulnerable is not easy. If it was, it wouldn't be being vulnerable. Um, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think anywhere in our contract for life it said this was going to be an easy ride. You know? <laughs> if it were easy, we wouldn't nope. be here. <laughs> no. But you think that if you do A, B, and C, that it's going to be an easy life. And then you do A, B, and C, and you realize, oh, no. This was the wrong path and I need to go over here. Oh, and it's really hard to get over there. And that path is actually hard too. Yeah, I have a, a tattoo down my leg that represented for me when I asked the artist to do it, my pain. And for me, it was a dragon and it was this heavy, dark being. And that's what I wanted envisioned in my head of what it was going to be. And then I gave him license to do what he thought was best. And the one thing that I asked for was within the tail to put the Chinese symbols for strength, courage, and endurance, because that is what I felt that I had accomplished getting through this. And instead of this dark, heavy dragon, it's this beautiful, bright phoenix it's gorgeous. And I get compliments on it all the time. And it is, it's my way of showing my vulnerability of allowing for help because I had to ask for it. I had to learn to receive it. I had to learn to give it freely in order to open myself up for allowing the healing from that help. And I think you just brought up a really powerful point about asking for help. And it's funny that we have, for some reason, when somebody else asks us for help, we're very much ready to help them. And it looks like strength in them, but us asking for help feels like weakness. However, asking for help is one of the most powerful things we can do. We're not meant to walk this journey alone. And we are far much better together. And we're going to be able to accomplish far more together. And I'm looking at, like you mentioned the planet earlier, just there's so much creativity on dealing with our beautiful earth and all the changes that are going through with it. But working together is the path forward, not alone. It's the collaboration. It's the gathering of the resources to do it. Yeah. And having the hard conversations and having the skills to have hard conversations and knowing that's just part of the, the process. Exactly. You know, I am not the most educated person. I do have a college degree, but I have a school of hard knocks. I call it a PhD with school of hard knocks. But I have the ability to talk to anyone. It does not matter whether they live in the gutter or they li are, live in the White House. It makes no difference to me. You put your pants on the same way I do. You are no better, no worse. You are just a human and you are part of my tribe because you are a human. <laughs> Yes, you know? exactly. 
I know how hard it is sometimes to stand in my own power, to stand in my own voice, to be able to speak to the pain and the suffering and the joy. Because I'm vulnerable in doing that. I'm opening myself up to criticism. I'm opening myself up to people going, ooh, who are you? Or you don't have the right to talk about this or whatever criticism that they might have. But it's that's not who I am. That's who you are, you know? So it's okay. You can open up. I have just as much value as you do. And you have just as much value as I do. Yes. I like to say that we all have different things to offer. Yes. Different gifts, different strengths, different ideas, Mm -hmm. but we're all human and we're all on this planet together right now. We are. I had a, a friend that was on the other day and she's from Russia. She's really an amazing woman. She's she's done some really amazing things. And she was Miss Canada, Mrs. Canada, because she did it when she was, after she turned 40, she became a, a beauty queen. <laughs> but she still has that same vulnerability that we do. She still has that same, I'm not good enough. And now has that, I'm not good enough because I'm from a country that's doing something that other people disagree with. And I'm like, stop. This is crazy. You're not the one that made that decision. I get it. I get that, you know, that's scary because there are people out there who are totally going to disagree. You know, it's like the people that go after the Asians because of COVID. You know, they, they didn't have anything to do with it. I just, we are people. We are humans. We are all in this together, united together. Your story is my story. My story is your story. We all go through the pain. We all go through the June accidents that take away the summer plans. (laughs) 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 And we have the right to hold our head up high and walk down the street and be who we are because we're human. Yeah. We get to play with the journey here. We get to lean into the edges and try new things. And yeah, it's our choice. We get to make it, whatever those choices are. And I will always be for the choice. Don't get me wrong. I have gotten on my soapbox about my beliefs, (laughs) you know, but I've tried to tell my kids, this is a big one with my children, just because I believe that doesn't mean that you have to. Just because I'm going to argue with you about something doesn't mean that you have to change your mind. It's your mind. It's your journey. Yes. And I think you're a coach. I'm a coach. I mean, that's part of coaching is we help you find the answers within you, not our answers for you, your answers for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You have the answers within you and we just facilitate that. (laughs) Your brain. (laughs) <laughs> you haven't right. gone to <laughs> you know I, I can offer you a little wisdom from my journey but my journey is not your journey yeah your journey is yours and uh, i'm just here for support inspiration and guidance <laughs> yep yep mm-hmm. exactly. oh my gosh <laughs> nancy i love talking to you i could do this all day This is so fun, Kristen. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. This was super fun. 
I could talk to you. We could hang out together. Uh, yeah. I could try kayak boating. I'm not sure I'd be very good at it, but I could paddleboard next to you. I bet you would have, you know, you could hang out on the tramp. You could be a tramp. <laughs> okay. I could be a tramp. A tramp is good. Uh-huh. They're fun. <laughs> and it's really fun when you got my daughter and one of her friends because they're younger and we can both hang out on the tramp and they can do all the work. Well, that works. Uh-huh. We can chat away on the tramp. Yep. Okay. Works out great. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar with Sparks. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We can be reached at www.wrarinc.com. Thank you again, and we can't wait to see you here next week. How loud is your roar?